You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. On 1116 SEN, the award-winning crunch time for Honda's 2017 run-out. It's worked the green with quick kick inside 50. Oh. Walker, the Texan, juggling Mark on the chest from the Tex. Wants to silence some critics, and that's the best way to go about it. Look at the players. And they come to him from all sides, Taylor Walker. And the crowd go with Gary Rowan. It's great to see him back out there. Go. And then what about the release kick to Lance Franklin? Buddy's got it now, 55 metres out. He stops oh. and he runs into a brick wall. Five Adelaide Crows players get to him. They swarm him, and now the Crows start to push forward in numbers. And the boots on the other foot with Atkins taking it, bouncing. Long shot. Goal square. Yes! 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 It's a goal. Oh, he's turned this one over. Oh, Lord. And he's turned it over to the wrong man. Franklin marks inside the centre square. And Buddy, bouncing ball, bouncing ball, makes them pay. Head right over the footy, spin of the Sharon, the yellow Sharon, gleaming on a Friday night. It's got to go all of 60 metres. He pins the big end ah! and kicks his third goal. And one in Buddy and the other, the Texan. It was too hot for Kennedy who couldn't take it off the ground. Parker to Gary Rowan, turns around and kicks a goal. They're coming, Hutto. They will come and they'll all go to Gary Rowan. The emotional spillover at the SCG. Chip short to Papley. It all opens up. 49 metres out from goal. It doesn't have the distance. And it's marked on the last line by the skipper. By the skipper. Oh, what a great, statement great. from the captain. A glorious moment <laughs> for the Adelaide fans as the siren rings out around the SCG. One of the great wins for the Adelaide Crows on the road. Oh, it was a fantastic win. There's no, no doubt about that. Last week was really disappointing and the guys felt that and you know, they're a really proud group so I was always confident we'd get a response and you know, we had a couple of you know, setbacks during the week and for them to come out and play the way they did and, and get that result um, was just outstanding. As good last night as they were bad last week, Adelaide responds with a famous away win. We speak to one of their leaders who was pivotal in the crucial victory. The first half were 6-16 clearances, 4-20 first positions. And unfortunately, that puts you on the back foot and become reactive to to how you set up because you need some support. If you're not leading the ball around the around the contest, you need some support, and then you get outnumbered in the front half and it becomes a vicious cycle. You become reactive. You need to be leading the ball where it matters. A worrying second loss at the SCG for the Sydney Swans, with some serious issues in the middle and up forward, starting to pile up for John Longmire. 
Scans revealed that he has done some damage to the plantar fascia of his foot. The doctors are saying that he will be out for the next four weeks. Yeah, it was obviously a bit of a shock for everyone, but now feeling good now. So he got the all clear and a few more tests during the week back in Melbourne. So ready to get on with it. He'd already have a club, or his manager will have a club in mind and have done a deal with a club. Melbourne or the Suns. It's the same old Carlton. Not only their inability to score, this is the 35th week in a row for Carlton. They haven't scored over 100 points. They're a long, long way off. I think Hodge's got to sit in the grandstand now. What, not, not play again? Very rarely. I think we've had a brand of pretty competitive footy. For three quarters of football, we trashed our brand. We look ahead to the big Anzac Day clashes. The Blues and Demons are in the spotlight. We ask who the Tigers should target. And Simon Lethleen faces the music ahead of a big day for the Saints, both on and off the field, all coming up in the crunch. It's another massive edition of Crunch Time for Honda. Honda's 2017 runout is now on. Visit honda.com.au slash offers. Yes, good morning everyone on this glorious Saturday morning. A big welcome to Crunch Time after a sensational performance by the Adelaide Crows. Kane Corns, Robert Murphy and Dermot Burton with me this morning as our Crunch Time team. Dermot, what a night for Don Pike and Tex Walker. Yeah, good morning Anthony. Yeah, they coached, were coached very well last night. Um, most of the stats, most of the stat areas, they were pretty even, but they just seemed to be able to lock it in their forward line, which Sydney were kind of powerless to break through. And when they did, Cornsey, uh, good morning to you, uh, they, were, they were outnumbered around Buddy, and it just seemed like they made more mistakes mm. yesterday, last <laughs> night, than they did for the opening four games uh, put together, I thought it was an awful display by them. Not awful. Um, not a good one. They mm. just made some basic, basic errors. Oh, I agree with that. And good morning to you and to Bob and to Hutto. Yeah, well, exactly that. I thought the Crows did come with a plan, which they were going to have to do. Not many gave them a chance away from home on the back of what they did the week before on Friday night. No crouch times two. Rory Sloan, a late withdrawal. He flew but didn't play clearly. And, and Eddie Betts also with that hammy. So no one gave them a chance. And when you put their midfield names up against Sydney's Parker and Kennedy and Jack and Hanbury, you wouldn't give them a chance. No. But it was the likes of, you know, Gibbs was good. He had eight clearances. Ellis Yolman is a, is a lesser known player. Greenwood played his role in there. And then Seedsman and Atkins on the outside were, were terrific. So, um, yeah, Sydney clearly lowered their colours and, and didn't they turn the footy over in, in the wrong spots last night they made some basic yeah. basic errors I mean even uh, uh, Papley in the last quarter streaming forward 90 metres from goal mm. two players between him and the goals they're both defenders and he tries to kick a torpedo <laughs> well they had 14 more inside 50s the Swans yeah. it's re- remarkable when you when you look at that but Crows just uh, as you heard the, the quote from John Longmire who might get you in on this as well Bob um, they were just smashed in the midfield early and then six to 16 quarter time clearances in the first possession they couldn't get their hands on it and it was a great response from Sauce Jacobs who was well beaten um, the week before against Brodie Grundy yeah you're right about that Kane and good morning to you and Derm and, and Hutto yeah, an incredible another incredible game another incredible upset for Friday night that's a we've had a few of those already in this season the Friday night upsets um, yeah you're right about the, the midfield the, the Sydney Swans midfield uncharacteristically quiet. I mean, they, just the, the raw numbers, and, and sometimes the raw numbers can be a bit misleading, but just the, just the possession count of Josh Kennedy, 13, mm. Jack, 11, Hanabry, 18, Parker, 17. They're middle-of-the-road numbers, but that, they are, they're the elite players. They're, they're the guys that generate so much of the ball for, for Sydney. So 
Um, yeah, they they still managed to, like you say, get 64 inside 50, Sydney. So, but the efficiency just wasn't there. And, and Adelaide, like you said, Doom, just able to trap it in and, and make the most of their opportunity. It can be misleading the inside 50s at at the SCG. Yeah. You, you you're about 75 to 80 metres from the goal line when they ball the thing up in the middle of the ground. So it <laughs> yeah, can be true. a little <laughs> misleading. The, the couple of boys that the unheralded uh, from Adelaide. And I heard, and obviously they are there, and I didn't see it with the naked eye, only to rely on what was supplied by uh, Channel 7. And that, that lad, Cam Ellis-Yolman, is a brute. He's a powerhouse, and he physically stood up to uh, um, Josh Kennedy. And I, and I know that the guys at Channel 7, and as I said, they're there watching, I'm not... To me, it looked like Cam Ellis Yolman was playing on Josh Kennedy and yeah, not, uh, not McKay. Yeah, well, they said Douglas. Douglas, yeah. not not Douglas. Sorry. Um, every time I was watching on screen, you'd see, oh, there you go, yeah. Douglas. He's <laughs> close by, but he's walked off. He I, goes I and plays someone that. else. I thought it was Cam Ellis Yolman playing on him. Yeah, I didn't think it was Douglas either. I was exactly the same. <laughs> I didn't see Douglas go to him, but whoever it was, and if it was Ellis Yolman, Greenwood's the other one who's is in there as well. With that bigger body, sort of taken over from Scott Thompson. Yeah, in, in there, yeah. Durham, but. Um, it's a bit more, probably a little bit more skill than Scotty. Scotty's know-how and in-game knowledge was mm. exceptional. Richie Douglas be pretty happy waking up this morning. Down had a win, <laughs> got a few touches myself, and got the, the other, credit. Got the credit for Kennedy as well. That's the trifecta. The other one who didn't get a lot of verbal uh, recognition, and it's the best game of footy I've seen him play at the level uh, because we're talking about seedsman and how well he made the, the ball travel. But the other one who I thought was his best game of AFL football was young... Is it Miller or Malera? Miller, they call it. Miller, yeah. I'm with he you there, was Jim. He looks fantastic, good, he? that lad. His ability to be under... you know, n- Not pack traffic, but... Uh, real Balance, pressure by, by by two or three surrounding swans looking to hold it in, who were capable tacklers, the likes of Buddy, Papley and, and those types of fellas. And he was able to, as you called it uh, uh, there, Bob, he, he's able to sidestep, dance a little bit, and then get forward of them so he could kick the ball at his discretion. I thought that was the best game he's played of league footy. And, and on top of that, it, it, there was a couple of his touches late. There was a, a really clean ground ball in the last quarter and an intercept mark in the last quarter when, when Sydney were just starting to press them a little bit. And those moments under pressure, that, that there was a class that I, I haven't, yeah, a bit like you, I hadn't seen a lot of him, um, but I was equally impressed. Can I, can I ask you, because to be totally honest, both of you, you two have played down back. I've seen it written on the paper before <laughs> you run out there. But um, he, he came into it two years ago as a uh, an in-and-out will-o'-the-wisp, skillful half-forward, and you thought, gee, it's going to be tough for him to cut out a, a career and carve out a career for him if he keeps playing that way. He's got skill, but doesn't have the body size or shape or the power, doesn't look great overhead. So how's he going to get his major source of ball? Is that the spot for him now? Is he one of these forward reverts that has become a backman? Well, I, I think, yeah, I think so, Doom. Sorry to cut you off there, I, I think so. And I think Adelaide have got a Adelaide have got a good history with with coaching, turning players into in, in, intercept defenders. That that is something coaches can have a huge influence on. And I mean, to have a look at a, a guy like you know, we talked about Miller, but also Tom Duday, who's 
not only got one of the best names in the AFL, but he's he he spent he was drafted. He was a high draft pick, and then they they've sent him back to the the SANFL for two years to to hone his craft. And he he's come in and replaced Jake Lever to a certain extent, which would have been a huge worry for the Crows how, how to how to fill that spot left by Lever. And, and Tom Duda has come in and done that. He's been obviously coached really well, nurtured in that environment of, of being an intercept defender. And I think I think Miller looked like last night that he's he's been able to adapt his game to a degree as well. Yeah, they brought him in after round one. He's taken off from Brody Smith, who's going to miss the year with a knee. So they needed to get some run and some drive off halfback. McKay wasn't there last night. So he played a role. One of the recruiters uh, said that they likened him to a young Sean Burgoyne when they picked him up, Miller. But he's taken some time to get to the level, as you say, Dern. But uh, he's got speed and he kicks the ball well. So uh, that's <laughs> a bit of a kiss of death that though isn't, oh, it? isn't it <laughs> no one ever gets reminded of just a young sort of you know just a, no. a, a back pocket plumber <laughs> you're either Sean, Sean Burgoyne or a, some sort of superstar yeah, Gary, yeah. 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 What, what I was surprised last night Bob I don't know if you played in the game where Sydney went they targeted Johannesson from the Western Bulldogs and, and last week we saw them target a player and, and it was I think it was Johannesson again last week and the week yep. before it was um, uh, the Sydney GWS halfback Whitfield they went after him last night I didn't see any of that no no aggression no verbal I thought there might have been some words with Taylor Walker after the week that he'd had but saw them shake hands before the game as you like to do but I just thought it was a very <laughs> placid placid Sydney side last yeah. night and it was almost like they just expected it to happen at home yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting point because they they've certainly done it to the to the Bulldogs the last few times they've played and there is if you that's the thing with those when you when you really orchestrate that kind of you know um, intimidation mm. if you like and Dermot you'll be you'll be best to talk about this but when you don't do it the next week does it does it sort of leave the door open for a bit of flatness because when you do orchestrate that kind of atmosphere in a game it does it does heighten everyone's senses and the intensity of the game and then. If the week after you don't do anything, does that mm. can that sort of flatten the group a little bit? It, it can, it definitely it can. But the main uh, area you're looking on on the on the mentality of it is when you did it the week before. Was it? Uh, I know you probably said this is pre-orchestrated and and the like. Let's go out and hunt this bloke. But does it come naturally? Or is it manufactured within your... It has to be, you know, thought of and rehearsed in, in your mind, but it, do you have to G yourself up to emotionally and mentally do that, or does it actually come really naturally? Yeah, well, that's the thing. And you look, at, you look at Sydney, and you wouldn't... There's not... That's not the sort of general vibe I get from that, that group, that they're that sort of antagonistic... Um, you know, because some guys and, and yourself, Dermot, you wore that cloak as comfortable as anyone. But you can see, like, the guy, like, for Brisbane, like, you know, Mitch Robinson, that, that's his sort of mm. stock in trade. The, yeah. Sydney, I don't have that sort of the same the same sense. Yeah, you look at their backmen as well, where you, you try and see that, that type of action coming from. And even their bigger backmen are quite gentlemanly folk. I mean, Big Reg, he's, he's hardly a... Um, a sweet soul, but he, he's not one that actually is uh, overt mm. and vocal and, and hunts they. anyone. He sort of sits back with the sly look and lets <laughs> things come to him. And and Rampy, he he looks like D'Artagnan playing league footy. And <laughs> Best here in the AFL, <laughs> yeah. Dane, I think. Well, I, think, I think Mills is the one that it is natural to him. I mean, he's still a young man. Look, I think he'll captain Sydney one day. He look, It looks to come naturally to him, but 
They were zero and six last year, the Swans, and that's when they decided to do this. It was almost like they put a name on the whiteboard before a game, and, and bang, we're going to go after them. They've done it this year, and it's worked for them on a couple of occasions. So I was just really surprised, and yeah, it probably speaks a bit of their mindset that they're playing at home, Crows without five of their best players. Uh, it's just going to happen, but um, how even we know this competition is. No doubt about that. Um, when I was watching last night, uh, and, and Taylor Walker was a massive um, issue and subject for people during the week, and, and myself was right at the forefront of discussing how he was and whether he wasn't or or, or whether he was capable, and, and, it, and it's very easy for people to come and say, he showed his critics now. You don't really ever go out there thinking, I'm going to show those critics. You go out there because you've got a role to play within the team. You, you, you have pride in your own performance. And then, in all reality, when it's finished mm. and you've, you've succeeded, thereafter somebody asks you the question, and because it's built up a little bit, even though it's not the motivating factor you find a bad guy to put it on and say, oh, I showed them. Yeah. Well, I was, I was as critical. Of it, but it wasn't so much about his form for me, uh, Taylor Walker. It was more about his effort. Now, I think um, maybe it's even more of a spotlight, the performance that he showed last night, considering the week before, I just thought there was a, a lack of effort, if that's the right word. Maybe that's a bit harsh, but certainly the, the ground ball effort that we saw wasn't good enough for a captain, and that's been highlighted during the week and some other of his efforts. So you get a lot of people saying, oh, his form last week, that's because of injury. Well, uh, that's one of the great cop-outs, I think, for, for poor form from a great player is, is they blame it on injury because last night he showed that he can move well and his effort was there. And, you know, I didn't think it was his absolute best game as, you know, Wayne Kerry was speaking about all night, that it was almost like the best game he's ever played. He played I, I a good he game. Pl- he thought he played, he played a, a good game. A good role, a good, yep. a good leader's game. He presented it up at the footy and kicked four goals, a couple of I guess, I guess maybe Duck's point of view, in the, in the context of the week that he'd had and, and the, the win in that context, I can, I can understand that in the context. It was a, it was a, it was a pretty important performance mm. by Tech, especially after the... I've got a question for you, though, Derm, about, about Taylor Walker. And, and, and you know, you, you had some um, criticisms of, of Tex last week, as, as a lot of people did, but there's, there's, there was special attention from, from the key forward establishment, or as I'm, I'm, I'm about to nickname the, the key forward mafia, and of which, of which very much I have you in that mafia. Is that He's a, a leader? Is, is in that, that market, or am I highly placed within the fraternity? I, I, well, I, I think you're at, at the very least you'd be a don. <laughs> I, but I am, but I am curious. Is is that a real thing of the the key forwards? The ones that have been and done it, keep an eye on the ones who are coming through, just to just to see whether they're worthy of being made men. <laughs> Very good, Bob. <laughs> I got there eventually. A made man. Um, it's such a, the one thing that doesn't change in football. I mean, you, you can run from full forward up to the centre circle, and you can drill run up and back whenever the ball's in your back line and they're outnumbering. The one thing that does not change as a key forward who is a directive target, as your teammates come forward, is how you play ahead of the ball to get to a position to force your teammates to kick to you by getting to the best position. So we watch and we look at players who don't give themselves the best opportunity. Ahead of the footy, to receive the footy, has never changed. And it is not changing and it will not change. It's the way you go about it. Um, Even at, at the moment, and we're talking about young Joe Danaher and his kicking, 
his play ahead of the footy is not instinctive and and I'll say reactionary enough that he can see the cue and go. He's not doing enough. Taylor Walker was was really pretty bad in his opening couple of games ahead of the footy when the cue came and he had to make the break or get to the spot. He wasn't doing that either. And then what happens with that? He compounds it by putting the head up in the air and sliding past and not taking the ball, the ground ball and sliding past his opponent. He remedied that, his his charge at the footy last night. But I think the thing with the key forwards that are in the media look at that, though, Bob, is that there are non-negotiables. And what Taylor Walker, as good as he was last night, the grand final slide by on, on uh, Vlosten, the, the slide-by on the ground ball to avoid contact last Wednesday. If you want to talk about those players in league footy who are that... What, what do you call them? The, the, the key mafia. forward mafia. The key forward mafia. There's lots. Jonathan Brown, in 250-plus games, never once had a moment like, like those two that have come in the last five games for Taylor. Nick Revolt in 300-plus never had a moment like those. So they do scrutinise those who get the plaudits and you earn your stripes in their eyes. Yeah, well, I, I must say, like I find it fascinating. I mean, I, Kane and I, we can't be made men because we were we were flankers and outside wingers. So, but, but it is it is. I do find it's it interesting. Someone who never always. played a game, <laughs> yeah. You're not even in consideration, Hado. I'm sorry, but yeah, yeah I do, it, it is fascinating. To, I mean, I like listening to Ruckman talk about Ruckman because I don't necessarily have an idea of what the Ruckman, the nuances of what they're doing a lot of the time. But the the key forward stuff, it, it's because there's so many commentators and, yeah. and opinions, in, strong opinions in the game around and, key forwards. It's a and, separate kind of Breed. And, Bob, the, the reason you haven't heard much from Anthony, we've been sending him out to collect the rent. Uh, look, it's been a great <laughs> chat between you boys. I, I just You wouldn't let me say anything, but that's OK. We'll take a break. Uh, we'll speak some more after the break because Daniel Talia is going to tell us what it's like to play on Buddy last night. 21 minutes past 11. We're going to chat about lots of other teams, lots of other issues. It's a glorious day in footy, and although I, uh, in Melbourne, although I fully support having the roof. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Uh, closed. Such a shame right now because it's closed here at Etihad and it's just a beautiful day outside. 21 minutes past 11. This is crunch time for Honda. Honda's 2017 run out is now on. Visit honda.com.au slash offers. On 1116 SEM, the award-winning crunch time for Honda's 2017 run-out. Oh, he's turned this one over. Oh, Lord. And he's turned it over to the wrong man. Franklin Marks inside the centre square. And Buddy, oh. bouncing ball, Let bouncing ball, makes them pay as only Buddy Franklin can. It was just the pass to Buddy that uh, he, oh, he marked it down no. on, uh, Rory. Oh, no, yeah, that was not good, was it? I was said to tell, sorry, mate. He kept a clean sheet and I just laced him out at 60 by accident. <laughs> 
Rory Laird, one of the stars last night uh, for the Adelaide Crows, chatting to us post-match uh, on AFL Nation and having a bit of a laugh about his one mistake of the night, which Daniel Talia wouldn't have been too happy with, but I'm sure he's pretty happy this morning because he kept Buddy almost goalless and uh, and he certainly was part a big part of a terrific win by the Adelaide Crows. And he joins us on Crunch Time for Honda. Honda's 2017 run-out is now on. Visit honda.com.au slash offers. Daniel, thanks for your time and uh, congratulations on last night. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. What, what about that, before we get into all the, the positives, what about that moment for you? It was uh, a little bit unfortunate? Yeah, uh, yeah Laddie, uh, you know, took the floater and uh, fell on his lap and had a bit of a laugh about it afterwards. So, um, yeah, no, it was, it was pretty funny. He said, sorry, but I uh, kind of just gave him this and went off. Daniel, tell us about the night, the, the lead-in. Obviously, it was a, a huge week for the club, given how you'd performed the Friday night before. What did some of the leaders and, and the coach do to make sure that it was a much better effort last night? Yeah, I think it was more just about focusing on what, what we do, um, trying to take the game on. And um, I think we went away from that the last couple of weeks, really you know, getting our ball movement going and, and playing with speed. And I think that was the message just going in, um, you know, take the game on and and move the ball with speed, and, and they struggled to defend when teams do that. So I thought we got back to that last night, and uh, as well as that midfield really getting on top and, and winning the hunt around the ball, that really helped as well. Yeah, the midfield, you, you must have wound them up, Daniel, because they were just sensational. When you lined up the names pre-game, uh, you wouldn't have think they would have had a chance in there without Sloan, but 6-16 to 16 quarter-time clearances was, was an unbelievable effort. Yeah, I thought some of the young guys that come in really stood up, you know, um, Galucci, Paholke, these young guys playing, you know, first couple of games um, were, were really excellent. And then Cam Ellis, Yolman and, and Bryce Gibbs and these guys through the midfield really, um, you know, beat them up around the ball and, and played really well. So um, that certainly gave our forwards first use. And I, I thought there we uh, yeah, we just went to work. Daniel, there is a fascination with Lance Franklin from all those on the outside of the ground. He's he's the big show ticket of the AFL. Um, we've had the opportunity to speak to quite a few key backmen who tell us, you know, what you can cover and what you just give up. You, you can't cover everything with Lance Franklin. So you go into the game and you're knowing you're going to get Franklin. What's your mindset? How do you play? And what do you want to cover and what do you give up? Yeah, it's a good question because you can, you know, do it in the air and on the ground. And um, obviously, if you play in front, he, he gets in behind you with his speed. And then um, I think you just try and give up the lead. And um, I was lucky last night. We had Tommy Duday and, and Andy Ott and a couple of guys fighting back there. So I just uh, tried to force him to our spare and, and we were able to cut off a fair bit. So I think uh, with, without Sam Reid and a couple of their tall forwards, I think they're, they're going through him a lot. And um, we just tried to double team him and I thought it worked pretty well. Uh, Daniel, Bob Murphy here. Congratulations on a great win. Just, just on Buddy again. You were able to have a, you know, you were able to blanket him, you know, compared to what he's capable of last night. How, how is he out there on the field with you? Because he can get quite animated and and uh, and uh, sort of get the chat going. Does he, does he try and lighten things up with you, or does he, or does he just keep quiet and keep an eye on the play up the field? No, yes, he's certainly one of those blokes that loves to stay out there and uh, doesn't get on the lip when he's up and about. So um, when he's quiet, you, you usually know he's going all right. So um, yeah, I think I think early on he sort of take me in cage and, and turn it on, and um, yeah, it, it didn't work last night. So um, so yeah, you were no, giving him lip back at the end, were you, Daniel? No, I always have a good chat with him. Obviously, my brother being at Sydney, I've met him a couple of times, and he's a really good fella. So, um, yeah, it was it was a good battle, and um, you, you don't want to, you know, say too much to a bloke like that because, as you said, he can turn a game in five minutes. So.
Now, yeah. So, so Daniel, can you can you clear up for us? We'll just we we're just chatting in the in the studio earlier about about the, uh, the the tagging job that was done on on Josh Kennedy. Um, there's a little bit of confusion around who had the job. Can you can you clear it up for us? Who who had the job on Josh Kennedy last night? Yeah, I'm not sure we actually had a tag through the midfield. I think there was just a couple of blokes that rotated through there, and I know uh, Camel Fiolman with that big body was on him a bit, and um, I think our mids just did a really good job and and negated his influence. So I don't think anyone actually tagged him, but um, yeah, it was, was Ellis Yolman roll through. Ellis Yolman was was the one to go to him at the stoppage though, and, and put body on him. Yeah, he was. Yeah, we, um, yep. Kelly's got a really big body and can um, match. You know, that's his strength. You know, around the stoppages. So. I think that was a good matchup for us, and, and he did a really good job. Daniel, another hamstring injury last night to Kyle Hardigan. How concerning is this for you? Because it, it is out of character for your club to go through so many soft tissue injuries. Yeah, I think it's been uh, you know just part and parcel last year. I think we you know, had a bit of a shorter pre-season, and um, you know we have had a fair few hamstring injuries now. But um, I think it's just. You know, we, we train pretty hard and try and train the way we play, and, and unfortunately, a few guys have just gone down. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it look at something for the for the club to look at. Um, you know, we have had a lot of injuries, probably more than usual at, at this time of the year. But um, you know, we're right. We've got a lot of depth, and, and the guys that come in last night showed that. So, um, it, it gives guys an opportunity to come in and, and play their role. And I think, um, yeah, the guys did it really well last night. I was super impressed with the young lad Millera. Last week you struggled to move the ball, but he on half-back was able to to sidestep, show real agility, and then get the ball in forward momentum. We all know that Seedsman went well, but I thought he was pivotal in getting the ball to an advantageous position to forward propel from. Yeah, you're right, Sammy. We, uh, we really want the ball in his hands. He's got a really good sidestep and... And really composed and clean when he gets the ball. And I thought last night off the half back, he was able to really set us up through there and, and hit targets inside 50. So um, Wayne's one of those players that when he gets the ball 20 times, he's almost best on ground. He's that good with, with ball in hand. So um, hopefully he can build from there and keep it going. I had him. I actually had him in in my votes. <laughs> <laughs> no one else mentioned him. I thought, am I seeing a different game? <laughs> hey, Daniel, you, you are three and two now, clearly. The next four games at the Adelaide Oval where you rarely lose. So yeah. what an incredible opportunity to set your season up. Yeah, I think so. I think the next month's going to be really important. You know, obviously with four, four home games in a row, there's some stage in the year where we'll be away a fair bit as well. So, um, yeah, looking looking forward to the next month for sure. We've got a couple of tough teams coming up. I think Port and Bulldogs and couple of others Gold Coast through there so um, the next month will be really important and, and hopefully we can get rolling and, and really build our, build our season from there. Daniel with your up and down form so far this year there's obviously been a lot of discussion about post what happened at the end of last year the camp and all, all those sort of discussions to you is there any scars from last year's grand final or is it something that, you, that you've now completely dealt with and, and, and can you know, go forward with complete confidence Yeah I don't think there's any scars I think you know you're always going to hear about it in the media and cop it a bit from the, from the opposition fans but um, I think it's more just you know we've had a, a lot of injuries and you know probably our, our senior guys have come off not a lot of pre-season and have been slow to get going so um, you know when we win our senior guys usually play well and, and when we lose they don't so 
I think with that consistency of, you know, the older guys who did play in that grand final last year finding form, I think we'll, we'll start to make a run and, and play a bit better footy. And, and you showed last night, you know, Tex and, and JJ and all these guys really standing up. I think if we can get those guys um, rolling again, you know, we're going to be a good side again. So um, I don't think there's any scars. We've just been a bit slow to start, I think. Listen to Taylor Walker after the game last night post-match and, and congratulations to him that he, he reverted some, some average form from the uh, week before and, and uh, yeah, people like myself have to wear that. We, we were critical of him during the week, but he did incredibly well. But he did make mention of how much faith the playing group have in the, that coaching staff. I was surprised the, the interviewer didn't drill down on that. Why would he say that? What, what is the, the, back, the background of we have so much faith in our coaching staff? Yeah, I think just the, the guys have been around a long time. Uh, you know, we've had Scott Camparelli, who obviously has been in midfield for about seven years. And, uh, you know, after the tragic death of, death of Phil Walsh, she was able to step up and, and really have the boys back there for about six weeks. And then we've obviously got Parky as well, who's come from a pretty successful environment and, and really loves the boys and is doing, you know, the coaching role, you know, out of the good of his heart, not, not there for a paycheck. So, um, you know, the, the guys really love the coaches and, and, you know, the coaches have got our back every week and, um, I suppose that's what probably Tex was referring to when he when he said, um, you know, the, the coaches uh, um, have got our back as well. So um, yeah, it's, it's probably probably one for the group where we've been around now together and grown up together for you know five or six years and pretty close knit group as well. So um, yeah, hopefully success is just around the corner and and uh, our group's got to keep working hard to to get there. Oh, oh, just just on that, and the reason. Uh, um I'm going with that, that question, Daniel, is because uh, we in the media and we, we see things, and Bob Murphy called it the, the, the key forwards mafioso or whatever it was, and we, as a collective, we basically all came out and said, well, this is pretty uh, an acceptable um, playing style by, by Taylor Walker. Um, we, I was surprised that no one from the Adelaide fraternity came out and said, you blokes should shut up, we'll do this, we'll do that. It, there was silence. Is that proceed, normal procedure and to let action speak loudest? Uh, and he would have been, you know, spent a lot of time with the coaching staff during the week. It, it, was that, is that the normal procedure for Adelaide? Yeah, I think so. I think when, you know, guys have a bad game, it's dealt with internally. And, you know, there, there was no hiding away from the fact that we played poor last week and, um, you know, all those clips that were shown probably by you guys were shown, you know, internally in our team meeting and really reviewed pretty toughly. So, um, yeah, that's usually dealt with probably as a, as a group. And uh, as I said, we're a really close group and, and, you know, no, uh, nothing's held back on and we, we have some pretty honest and brutal conversations at times. So, um, yeah, Tex would have been the first to put his hand up and say, you know, a couple of efforts last week weren't good enough and, um, that he needed to respond this week. And I thought that's what he did. So, um, yeah, you know, as I said, we, we like to deal with um, things in, in-house and then from there let our actions speak and, and try and bounce back on the field and, and lucky last night we were able to do that. And that's a different philosophy to, to Brisbane. I mean, they came out and, <laughs> and they gave... Uh, uh, Spud had a whack at, uh, you know, had a, uh, yep. uh, some critical assessments of Luke Hodge and they came straight out on the front foot and gave Spud a whack. So philosophies for different clubs. It's very interesting. Daniel, before we let you go, Tom Duda, can he be as good as Jake Lever? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, Tommy's been great these first four or five weeks and 
has fitted in and oh, I think he's done better than Lever. You know, he's intercepting everything back there and um, he's fitting that role and, and really dominating. So, um, yeah, we're not, we're not feeling the loss of Jake at the moment and, um, you know, Tommy's put his hand up and played some more footy in the first five weeks. So, um, it's been a credit to him. You know, he, I thought he could have probably played last year in any other side and um, he's worked really hard behind the scenes and, and been awesome for us. So, uh, we just got to keep him rolling. Do I detect you're just a slight little bit dirty on uh, uh, on Jakey Lever when you said he'll be better than him? Oh, I didn't say he'd be better than him, but he's <laughs> he fit right in and um, played played really well these first five weeks. So, um, yeah, that's we, the, we that's the key really... back, Mafia, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't felt the loss as probably as much as people would have thought. So, um, yeah, Tommy, Tommy's a star and hopefully he just keeps rolling. Good stuff, Daniel. Stuff. Appreciate your time. Well done again last night. Uh, shutting out Bud and uh, having a terrific win on the road. Congratulations. Thanks for being with us. Well played. Yeah, cheers, guys. Thanks. On 11.16 SEM, the award-winning crunch time for Honda's 2017 run-out. 14 to 12, this is crunch time for Honda's 2017 run-out sale. It's now on. Check it out. Honda.com.au slash offers. Bob Murphy, Kane Corns, Dermot Brereton, Anthony Hudson with you. We'll get a quick injury update for Arnold Thomas and Becker. And as you heard, Adelaide's Kyle Hardigan suffered a left hamstring injury last night. And uh, that was uh, really the only serious injury out of the game. So that update for Arnold Thomas and Becker. Over 50 years' experience in personal injury law. And uh, while we're at it, last night the Crows, uh, with their win, they got a 3-2 on the ladder, on the uh, 40 Winks ladder. The clearance sale now on at 40 Winks. And a percentage of 108.4, just ahead of the Swans, who have fallen to 7th, also at 3-2, and two, and a percentage of 104.4. So before we move on to other teams and other issues, just on the Swans, yeah, two losses at home. Obviously some problems in the midfield last night. I still see, and they got locked away in defence at times last night, couldn't get out. It was a really terrific tactical game from Don Pike. But the forward line is still a, a big issue for me in terms of how what they're going to do with Buddy, because particularly with, with Sam Reid out, and we spoke to him last night, he's you know, eight to ten weeks away. It's, he was a great just, reference point, They just Buddy. keep going to him. And they he had two a, and three on him yeah, at times last night. He was a night. great reference point for the for the drop-off backman to get to. That one where he wasn't awarded the mark when he was kicking to the right-hand side of screen in the first half, and it probably should have been given a mark, he was against two, and by the time... He stood up there thinking it was oh, yeah. going to be taken. There was six around him. And by the time he, mm. he took a step off the line, which it should have been play on anyway, yeah. um, there was. Yeah. There was five to six players within touching distance around him. Now, they have five or six opponents elsewhere, Yeah. yet Sydney still mm. went to win. And you could see that Daniel Talia saying that they knew everything was going to be directed through him, so we double-teamed him. It's not often you hear an opposition player come out and say, well, we double-teamed him last night. Like, huge game next week. They play Geelong away uh, at Geelong, so that's a massive yeah. one. And then it's, it's actually a reasonable. They've had freak. some success down there, though. So yeah, in the form that they're in, I guess both sides not in not in great form. Geelong with their injuries. Then North Melbourne at home and, and Hawthorne at the MCG. So a good, a God, good who's three gonna play, weeks. Who's going to play on Buddy for Geelong at the moment? <laughs> that's a, that's a worry. Uh, Bob, where would you play him then, given the discussion? Where would you play Buddy? Up the ground or oh, closer I, to I, goal? Oh, I think I think a bit of both. Bit of both, Hutto. He, he is one of those rare players, a bit like, a bit like when uh, Matthew Richardson was, was at his best for the Tigers. They they're almost they're almost uh, unpositionable because they they can they, their running power and their height is so extreme. But I, I like Buddy when he when he gives us both barrels of 
when he's closer to goal, how dangerous he's there. But when he gets up and then turns and can turn them around, because his field kicking is so exquisite as well. So I think it's a waste to sort of put him in any one position. It's more just let him off the leash and, and, and let him run. I just got the pen and paper ready. How do we spell unpositionable? <laughs> <laughs> no, great, with great difficulty. Yeah. Um, I, I tend to agree. Uh, but essentially he is one of the great goal kickers our game has ever seen. No doubt. So predominantly you want him in a, in a position where he can impact the scoreboard. You just have to find a way for him not to be as predictable for the mm. opposition. But the, the, in reality, if I'm sitting in the Sydney coaches box last night... You want him to do it every week. He's not going to do it every week. He almost, almost did it last night. He got four shots away at goal. The one thing I would say, what was our biggest fault with our um, uh, ability to get to scoring or get to a position to score was the usage of the ball from 90 metres out to 60 metres out was awful. Mm. Uh, they missed shorter targets while they were going to Buddy, and they, uh, what do you call it, Buddy Centric or, or, or Vision just Conscious. for him. Yep. He fills up the viewfinder so much. He's such a big presence. But they had closer, mobile, running men who they could have chipped to and could have gone inside 50 on the fly. They shot themselves in the foot. I reckon at least I could show you footage of half a dozen yeah. times. And that, who knows? Yeah, who knows? Well, Early well, enough in the game, that could be the difference in the, in the match. Okay. Out of midday, we'll return to our, our three key takeaways from uh, last night. And one of those will be Josh Kennedy and whether there is a concern about Josh Kennedy. Simon Leflin, the St Kilda General Manager, football performance, uh, is going to join us in the, in the box also after 12. So I just want to take the next few minutes before Simon's here. How, how do we see this St Kilda issue is it crisis time for the Saints not quite but they've lost their last three by 50 points on average and I didn't see this drop off coming from them look I you wouldn't have thought they'd make the finals but you would have thought similar to where they were last year and around the mark so the drop off has been has been stark I think the the lack of speed through the midfield is an issue and, and their forward line not functional but that's as a result of the midfield as well so they have almost just dropped off a cliff, haven't they? So, I mean, let's give them some time. We're only four games into their season, but it's not looking good, Hutter. I'm looking forward to asking Simon Lethlane. I'm not sure how much he'll tell us, but whether we are going to see a change in the way St Kilda plays today. I mean, it was last week, it was, you know, and Richo explained about on 360, they put lots of players, they had extras up at the stoppage and so forth, but they're breaking the hearts of their players the way they're playing at the moment. And I'd be really surprised if we don't see a different way St Kilda go about it and much more even numbers I, the thing for me with St Kilda and, and I like the fact that they've got so many brave brave soldiers who fight the fight we all know the, the issue with about their top end talent the thing which is concerning most they have probably got between now and round 13 it's a fair way off they have got three winnable games but those winnable games are against opposition on the opposition's home deck, which turns them a little bit more in the opposition's favour. The next time I think they have a real shot at winning, round given the 17. way they're playing. Well, I've got round 13, and that's against the Suns. That's it. That's away from home. Yep. It's away from home, I know, but who knows what happens with the Suns. So are they clearly now down in that bottom rung of teams, yes. or is there a yes. way back for them this year to get back into that middle ground? No, they they're can down, mate. Get their confidence up and... I mean, I just don't think we can completely ignore where they've been in the Jack past. Jack Stephen needs to needs to go close to being 
top two or three. He needs to become the equal of Dangerfield, Martin. Uh, who, who else are we talking about? Those are the five. He needs to be their contemporary equal if he's to give them the absolute shot. Their injuries the as well, Hutto. Like they, the players are getting injured they can't afford. Like Bruce is, is a, a good, honest forward who's not going to dominate, yep. but he's a you know he's a potential 40 to 50 It's a structure forward. player, isn't he? And he's out. Yeah, he's yeah. out. So that re- they rely on McCartan now, who I don't but think... It puts up, a lot more pressure on McCartan, doesn't and it? And then Robertson's, you know, he was probably top three in their best and fairest last year. I think he was second, in fact. So he's out for who knows how long we'll ask Simon about that. So they just can't afford to lose players they, like they've lost. Bob, do they throw the shackle off and say, uh, like last week we saw Ollie Florent cop the wrath of Paul Ruse and his and, and his coach for running and kicking one of the league's yeah. great goals because he played that for sums the, up Ruse though for the, yeah, for the love of the sport. Do Doesn't we celebrate Christmas? No. Do we tell them now, hey boys, remember what it was like to be glorious as a kid? Go out there and play. Yeah, Just I think go so. Out I mean, there and, and, play. and Hutto, what was the phrase you used that they're breaking their players' hearts? I mean, that's a that's a that's a strong image, and I think, and I think you're right, Doom. I think that there needs to be a you know an in, an injection of of energy and enthusiasm, and freedom, I, I th- and I yeah, freedom. And I th- I think one of the ways you can do that because I mean, Richo talked about during the week on 360 about putting extra numbers at the stoppage, which yep, you've, you you can't have everything in football. So, but when, when when you do that, what do you give up? Well, you give up a sixth forward, and so then you then you give the opposition a, a, an extra defender, and that that's when that's what you're talking about, Hutto. Yeah. When when the players are working so hard, and the St Kilda team do work so hard, but when you just and you have to just kick the ball back to an extra defender, and the, it's a nightmare for the forwards, and it and it does. When you lose like that, there is a sense of hopelessness that comes with it. That's, that's that leadership. And, and, Bob, you asked me before about the, the, the key forwards aspect. When that happened, when, when, when you're playing as a key forward, if you're willing to show leadership, you say, right, you go up at the stoppage, I'll play negatively as a forward against that extra backman. I'll take these two on. I'll make do what I can, but I'm sacrificing my game for this team. So yep. my other four forwards left here have got one-on-ones and they're a shot. So that's the leadership you need to see from your, your key forwards. All right, Bob, we might get you to discuss that a little further when Simon Lethleen joins us, uh, the St Kilda General Manager of Football Performance, here in the box at Etihad Stadium shortly. We will take a short break, though. Uh, we're going to uh, welcome some new listeners very shortly, recap... Uh, reset from last night and uh, talk about all the other hot issues in footy. That's coming up on Crunch Time with thanks to Honda. Honda's 2017 run-out sale is now on. Visit honda.com.au slash offers. On 11.16 SEN, the award-winning Crunch Time for Honda's 2017 run-out. To be with us on this Saturday afternoon as we look back and look forward. Adelaide winning a terrific game on the road last night by 10 points over the Sydney Swans. 12-13-85 to 10-15-75. Great to have you company on Crunch Time. With thanks to Honda, Honda's 2017 run out is now on. Visit honda.com.au slash offers. Dermot Brereton, Kane Collins, Bob Murphy and Anthony Hudson with you as we reset and uh, just look back at the three main takeaways from last night before we move on to other issues in footy and chat with Simon Lethley and the St Kilda General Manager of Football Performance. 
to the Crows and their terrific performance in a moment. But what about the Sydney Swans? Two losses at home now, and particularly beaten up in the midfield last night and had some issues the week before. And Josh Kennedy in particular, Kane, he's a man you've played on and, and we've all admired. Two really bad ones in a row by his standards. Uh, is there a problem there for the Swans? He's almost the most consistent player in the competition when you look at his history and his best and fairest placings at Sydney since he's been there. So he's a 30-possession average player. Now he's gone 13 and 15 in his last two weeks, or perhaps the reverse. I think it was 15 last week, 13 last night. Yep. So they look banged up to me, the Sydney midfield, and they have done for some time. I mean, Hanbury's not covering the ground like we know that he can He's park. coming off a restricted pre-season, he, isn't he? But you're right, they play so much time in the midfield, do, don't they? Yeah, and they've just played that contested, uh, brutal style of football for so long that they look tired already. And they did last year, they were able to turn it around. So I think the guys like Heaney and Mills uh, and these types of guys going through the midfield and perhaps playing... Hanbury a bit more, more forward, yeah, Parker we, we, forward. Yeah, I mean those. But Kennedy, you can't. Certainly, Parker can play forward. Hanbury, I'm not even sure exactly no, where else he can play. And, yeah. and Kennedy, even though he he can be a goal kicking midfielder, they might get non- bang for buck there too. With we, we talked about where to play Buddy. Well, when when you've got Buddy up the ground, someone like Parker being yeah. being being one on one in the goal square has that sort of dusty yet Richmond kind it's of feel to it as well. It's a good point, Bob, because uh, what Rewalt's doing at Richmond is getting up out of the way and letting Dusty play one-on-one inside 50. Now, Parker's no Dusty, but he can certainly be a multiple goal scorer. He's, so, a, yeah. tough, he's a tough match-up, Parker, though, isn't he? Good yeah, overhead. Yeah, he's good overhead and he's powerful in the legs. But there's some cur- concerns, no doubt, Hutto. Could, could you throw a curveball in and play Buddy on a wing and play your two target forwards as Heaney and Parker? Heaney looked the most dangerous forward on the ground last yeah. night at times, just with his, but he just his finishing, you oh, know, yeah. he was was awful. So he could be the one also. Right, Bob, you're our uh, you're a member of the defensive mafia in the media. You don't have too many mates. It's got to be said in that uh, in that area. I've heard of that area. <laughs> but uh, Daniel Talia, we spoke to him earlier on Crunch Time, and he said this about his new teammate Tom Dude in relation to his old teammate Jake Lever. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, Tommy's been great these first four or five weeks and has fitted in, and uh, I think he's done better than Lever. You know, he's intercepting everything back there, and um, he's fitting that role and, and really dominating. So, um, yeah, we're not we're not feeling the loss of Jake at the moment, and um, you know, Tommy's put his hand up and played some awesome footy in the first five weeks. So, um, it's been a credit to him. You know, he, I thought he could have probably played last year in any other side, and. Um, he's worked really hard behind the scenes and, and been awesome for us. So uh, we just got to keep him rolling. What'd you make of that, Bob? It was, it was, yeah, it was, it was interesting, and it was a good pickup by you, Derm. I even liked the way he first referred to him as Lever, and then, he, and then he softened a bit later when he called him Jake. But uh, yeah, it was, a, it was just a good little shiv, I think, just a good little shiv to the kidneys. But I've got to say that the stats are the supporting the theory that Tom Duday for a, a young guy only early in his career he's averaging t- you know close to 20 possessions and, and nearly seven marks but it's it's the intercept stuff that um, Adelaide have got a good history of, of teaching that and coaching that so they've got they've they've got themselves a good player there um will he be as will he be as influential as Jake Lever well we need a bigger sample size than five rounds but it's a good start to the year for him certainly is uh, and speaking of size for the Adelaide Crows we saw McGovern go back at times last night the, the coaching panel Don Pike and uh, we spoke to Ben Hart before the game, made the same admission that, that they were too tall the week before, which was pretty obvious in mm. the conditions, it has to be said. Have, is that forward line got enough flexibility 
to serve them really well during the year that they can go to other places if need be and, and be a threat in season 2018. I thought their forward line, Derm, functioned as good as it has uh, all year with McGovern behind the ball. Now, when you've got five players above 191, I think it is in the forward line, it's tough to fit in and it's tough for all to play your role. So when Betts comes back, I think with Lynch, um, Lee, uh, not Lever, um, of course Jenkins and Taylor Walker as the tools in the forward line, perhaps McGovern behind the ball like his brother plays so well at West Coast. Andy Otten goes out of the side. Eddie Betts comes into that forward line. I think it's a good good forward line and not overly tall like they have been the last couple of weeks. The thing that works for them is that each one of those players, even though, and Betts is not tall by any stretch of the imagination, but he is a goal square full forward. He's not a crumbing forward as such. He's no. a goal square full forward. The thing that he can throw differently at them, at least he, he's got enough of a tank, he can come up off the back of the square mm. at bounces or, and throw something different in there. The other guys actually supply a different role. Uh, uh, Jenkins, is, in the absence of Betts, or when Betts has been a little bit out of form, has started out of the goal square. And I reckon they've almost put it on him and said, mate, you're six foot six, you're playing like a 5'11", and that's fine, but occasionally we'd like to see you outmark someone. <laughs> and he has. He has. He, has, he, did, yeah. he did it against Rance. And T- times last night. P- the pivotal moment, Hutto, uh, was last night when he threw his weight around, not necessarily took a contested mark, but won a ground ball, which set up Taylor Walker, who finished from about 30 centimetres out from goal. Yeah. That was on the back of Jenkins using his 105-kilogram frame derm that, that he doesn't use as often as he should. So, so each one of these lads in the forward line has a different aspect to their play. You, you, you're not three tall forwards who all want to mark the ball above the head and, uh, and all average on the ground. Uh, they're not all the same player. Uh, Walker's good on the deck. Walker's creative once he gets the ball in his hands. He doesn't jump for the ball. McGovern smashes packs. Uh, um, Jenkins, as we've seen, can now show that against a single opposition can beat them in the air, but he also likes to outrun his opponents, and he does go a bit the old exit stage left and try and get goal side a little bit too readily, and Betts we know is uh, throws something else, and the, Charlie Cameron's a bit of a loss for them yep, still yep. Um, So where, where do you have them right now, Dern, Adelaide? You know, because of their capabilities they're still top four, Yeah, okay. they're still top four, but there's some... If they'd lost last I, night, would that have... Would I you... don't think they're going to be as good as last year, Right. Okay. But purely because they, they had a great lock-in but they still weren't able to run down Sydney when Sydney got two or three steps on them. Charlie Cameron put the fear of God into people as much as a run-down forward can do against a, a, an opposing backman on the outward flow. So they're still good. They're still good, but they're not quite at the level they were last year. All right. Seven minutes past 12. This is crunch time for Honda. Honda's 2017 run out is now on. Visit honda.com.au slash offers. We're joined in the box by uh, a man who's uh, now in clubland. He's got used to putting the club polo on. Uh, of course, he used to be uh, uh, very significant at the AFL, but he's the general manager the of football. Right. Fo- well, that's, you were telling us that before, Doom, off air. Uh, General Manager of Football Performance is his title. Uh, very grand indeed. Simon Lethleen uh, joins us on a big day for the Saints, both on and off the field. Welcome, Lethus. Hey, young hello. Hey, Lethus. Going well. It uh, hasn't been a great start, though, from, from your club, has it? Uh, how big is today for you, both in terms of a better performance on the field and, and to get your fans here? Yeah, it's a really important day for the club. Um, you know, playing a pretty good side in the Giants and uh, really looking to turn the tide for the season so far. The boys have had some pretty uh, honest discussions during the week and... and the players have been heard about a few of their views about the style of play too. So 
Um, it's a big day to turn performance around and also, yeah, get our fans to stick with us and support us. St Kilda fans have been rusted on for a lot longer than me and they're really important to us. So that as many that get here to enjoy the day will be important to us. You touched on style of play there and, and that was obviously one of the criticisms of last week. And Richo explained you know, that they, they put extra numbers up to the stoppage. The players have had a bit of a say on, on that this week, have they? Have they what, what, what are they asking for? Yeah, look, I think um, most of you know when you review the game, Certainly the players' views are taken on board, especially the leadership group. Um, and I think they want to just uh, really try and express their way of footy a bit a bit better. And you watch how they played against the Giants last year when they beat them. Um, it looks more energised, more confident um, and more skillful. And I think that the boys will be really trying hard today across the 22 to all impact the game rather than waiting for uh, Jack Stephen to be the one to do it. So it'll be an energised performance today, I reckon. Is that... A, is that- how much do the coaches take that on board? Do they feel like that's a bit of a slap in the face to them about what they've been trying to get them to do? No, look, I think the art of coaching is getting the best out of your group. So that certainly hasn't been the case the last few weeks. So they certainly um, took on board some of the feedback. And, and, you know, it's a reasonably immature group. I think it's the fourth youngest side playing this week. So the players need to to uh, follow direction too. It's not a one-way street. So um, I think you'll see some differences today and, uh, and hopefully they uh, make a big impact. You mentioned there was some open discussion and dialogue during the week. I know you're not going to give us the nitty-gritty. Can you give us a basic feel for what some of that open discussion and honest discussion was about and, and, and who was, it was pushed from which area? Um, I think it's just the players wanting to get back to playing confident football and why hasn't that been the case? Um, a lot of talk during the week about the forward structure, for instance. So, um, you know, some good insights from experienced midfielders like Jack Stephen about what they want to look up and see and, you know, what's best That's for Paddy. And, and Paddy's in good form. So how do we best utilise Paddy? And, and is the way we're playing suiting Gresham and Billings in the form they're in? So it was pretty open stuff, um, as you'd expect and want. So I think it was, as I said, it was a good discussion, but the players got to own the output they want to have now. They can't just talk about it. And I reckon that's a fantastic conversation. I love it when the midfielder says what I want to see, because you're going to feel a lot better about kicking to it, isn't he? So, what does he want to see? Well, I think he wants to see. You know, all clubs now push their forwards up and have 18-man defence, um, but the players have got to reset and work back pretty hard. Now, do we need to have everyone up at stoppages? I'm not sure. I think the Giants are a bit more one-on-one team, so you might see a bit more of that around the ground, but. I think Jack wants to look up, see options and kick it to space and kick it to players rather than perhaps looking up and, and having no confidence in what's been in front of him in the last few weeks. And that's been form and confidence as compared to structure, I reckon. Simon, you... Simon, Bob Murphy here. Um, hey, Bob. I was just wondering, thanks for taking us inside inside the club in terms of the tactical stuff. Has there been has there been anything, any change you've noticed this week in, in the mood or, or anything um, outside the box that Alan Richardson's brought to the group this week? Yeah, look, the, the group's pretty energised. I sort of drove here today thinking we're a fair chance today. Now, the proof being the pudding, but, you know, the experienced guys in, you know, Seb Ross and Jack Stephen and Geary, and um, they're all in pretty good spirits about today. So I think, as I said, you'll see an energised performance. We watched about 10 minutes of Giants v Saints last year, and it was a manic, pressure-filled, confident, belief performance, and I think that's what the boys will bring today. So it's been a pretty positive week. Um, Bob, as you know, people might th- not think that would be the case, but it's certainly the energy's there, so hopefully there's a big response today. Simon, we've got to get through the rest of the year clearly, and you need a, an improved performance, but where, where's your list at from your point of view, and what are some of your weaknesses that you need to address in the off-season? Yeah, I, mean, I guess uh, I've only been at the club for a few months now, and I'm not 
maybe as in love with our list as if you'd been there for longer. So I've got a pretty fresh set of eyes. Um, we've certainly, in my view, got a pretty a pretty deep list, um, and we've got a bunch of players that I reckon are, are going to have to make the impact or the decision to to take themselves to the next level and. You know, it's pretty openly talked about some of those players like a Billings and Gresham who I think are really talented players that we want to become the A-graders that we know they can. So the sooner the better. Um, a lot of talk about whether we have the elite top-end players and I think certainly Jack Stephen is and I know Carlisle's in pretty good form and, and Seb Ross played All-Australian footy last year. So I reckon the group's there. But, you know, as you've seen with Richmond, you need, you know, you need your big four or more to really impact games and at the moment we probably haven't got that number impacting games that's where we're going to try and improve so you feel like the the some of those I, I agree with the likes of billings i think that kid can be yeah. a grade he's just a serious talent you feel you have enough within the club you're always adding yeah we go to the draft every year and we try and stooge the next the blokes who's behind us and pinch the best talent we can get but do you feel you've got a core of four six kids who come through and can be A-grade players? Yeah, I think we do. But, I mean, you've never got enough. I mean, you watch the Hawks across those premiership years. They added someone every year. They added Burgoyne, Gibson, Hale, Guerra. They were adding every year. Propolo, Lake. I mean, you've just got to keep improving your list, and we shouldn't hide away from that. We want to go and get some blokes to come to the club that will impact the game. So you're saying you want... Would you start looking at... I know we're only round five, but would you, in October, start looking at ready-made players who you think are going to improve your list? Well, I think every good list manager is looking now about next year. Um, so we certainly are, as you, you can't sit still. Um, every good club adds someone to their list every year, I reckon, and that whether that's from the draft, which it will be. Take also, us right inside, Lethers. Who are you looking at? Yeah. <laughs> is Jordan Degoe <laughs> one? That's, his name's been speculated. Well, one thing I do know is that now that we've said we're going to be aggressive, we're now mentioned with every person that's coming out of contract or that might want to move. But... Yeah, we so want you're not interested in Jordan to go? We're interested in any good player that wants to come to St Kilda. So you are interested in Jordan to go. <laughs> That's going to be a really boring answer. <laughs> but you do have you do have significant salary cap space to be able to play in that game. Yeah, it's a it's a sort of a, a strange conversation. I mean, everyone's got the same salary cap, but we have got some prepayment mechanisms we can use this year because we've banked the last couple of years. So we've certainly got uh, more money to spend than 100% next year, so we can. We can get some big deals done if we can get the players. That Are you paying come. 100% of your salary cap this year? Yeah, you have to to be able to spend 105 the year after. So we've got a couple of years of banking to spend. It depends how you define 100 versus 105 percent, I guess. <laughs> Lethers, how important is the way you play from now in terms of attra- for the rest of this year in terms of attracting those players? Um, oh look, I think it's it's always important. I Re- think really important though, or do they tend to make their decision already? I don't know. I mean, as I said to some journalists during the week last year. Richmond got smashed by 100 points in the last round of the year, and they were 13th, but Preston and Curvis and Caddy still came. Um, I think you've got to sell the environment that you've got, the coaching stability you've got, the, the board and the club that you've got. We've now got Moorabbin and $30 million more to make that a $50 million facility. We've got the facility. We've got, in my view, the coaching staff, and we've got a good, stable club. So we're, we're in my view, a destination club that is now in the conversation. Uh, we've got to prove that we want more players to come and help. What surprised you the most about... Clubland. You've obviously had a lot to do with it from the other side. What surprised you the most? 
It's surprising how often I use the term clubland. I didn't think I would because it's always one of those ones where you go, where actually is clubland? <laughs> um, oh, look, it's it's a much more singular focus, and that's quite refreshing. I spent a fair while, you know, consulting and thinking about what 18 clubs and venues and broadcasters wanted to do. Um, you can now quite refreshingly just do what's right for your club, so that's good. Um, and, yeah, it's a, it's a really obvious thing to say, but it's a, it's a performance environment. So... Um, I guess having to lead the football program and try and um, elicit better performance from individuals and from coaches and players is an interesting challenge. So I'm enjoying that. Can Simon, I, sorry, sorry, okay, Jim, sorry, Simon. We've seen you in the coaches box. Is that is that been a new experience for you, or have you done that before? How have you how have you found that experience? Yeah, I've never I've never sat in an AFL coaches box, so it's certainly interesting. There's lots of um, discussion throughout the quarters and and not much time to go and address things at the breaks but i've enjoyed that i've you know i've been around footy all my life bob so i uh and i've done a bit a bit of community coaching so i love that part of the week um you made any moves yet uh no i've had some suggestions that either get knocked over or get listened to but i'll i'll keep tossing a few around (laughs) what's pretty wise counsel though aren't you and i mean that with all due respect you're pretty wise counsel in the football world you've been around a long long time is there something you do in the box if you see coaches their minds here or there do you do you pull coaches into line do you do you do do anything like that with your counsel in the box yeah like i think my role as i said to be in charge of football is to make sure that the coaches are doing their job on match day and if that means they're not composed enough or there's too much talk or there's interference or there's people not thinking or delivering on their role yeah i've got to call that out now hasn't been a great deal of that thus far but that's part of the role of being I think a composed general manager of footy the good ones that I've known all the way along Jeff Walsh and Dave Noble and 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 others uh, I'm sure and Steve Hocking have been a pretty um, uh, shown leadership in the box to make sure it's working well we've seen a number of clubs have ultimate success after conducting very thorough reviews Uh, Richmond was the latest obviously going back Geelong was one of the poster boys for that. Uh, and you've obviously come in with fresh eyes, as you've already discussed. Is there the possibility that you will conduct a complete review of the club? Well, again, I reckon the role of general manager football, especially when you start, is that you're probably conducting a review every week on how things you're are going. You're rolling with it, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, yeah. But my, where, the, my role is to improve the program. That includes welfare, uh, player management, our negotiations for our contracts, our coaching staff and their development, um, you know, high performance and conditioning. So... I think all good leaders in their roles are constantly trying to improve things, but whether we have to announce some sort of review at the end of the year, don't know. We'll see how we've gone, but um, I think you've got to review your football program every year, whether that's publicly stated or not. Can I ask you a final question for me? And and we look from the outside, and and sometimes we, we come up with flippant remarks, and sometimes we come up with glorious remarks about St Kilda and how they play. Coming from the club I came from, which you know and you were there for quite some time as well. You know the way we were schooled. We hear about what it is to be a St Kilda person. They've been going over 125 years. They've won one premiership. And I saw the the um, uh, Dicko's documentary on the St Kilda premiership, and I, and I felt wonderful. I really got a sense of being there. Is it a different beast to other clubs? Are they a different fraternity to deal with it. There just seems to be something about St Kilda that... Oh, look at our boss here, Rossi. He's different. Uh, <laughs> it, it, there's just something different about St Kilda. Have you pegged it? What is it? And is it a good thing or is it something that needs <laughs> to be massaged? Credit. No, it's, well, it's certainly a good thing. I, I think the club's a great uh, a great environment and a great entity in itself. When, when I think of 
St Kilda, I think we um, also need to to make sure we publicly show that St Kilda is a bit of a um, entertainment and media and St Kilda Beach and all the stuff that is about St Kilda. It's a bit different. You know, you go. There is a difference. Yeah, to it's it. different. It's yeah. certainly got. I think it's got that. Uh, you know, that Eric Banner and Shane Warner about it, and that's okay. You know, if we want to try and attract players to our club, it is that St Kilda is part of the vibrant lifestyle of Victoria and we want to own from Port Melbourne to Portsea and, and be that club so I haven't quite unlocked all that but it's certainly different just like it'd be different from being at Port Adelaide you know um, they're all different beasts because they've had people come through their clubs that have shaped what it is and Derm um, really wants to know whether the Saints disco is going to be refurbished down there <laughs> the Saints disco has just been knocked over so there'll be some uh, <laughs> some skeletons flying out at the moment flying it's, out a, that grand it's a wonderful and, and, and you've seen Dicko's documentary on that yep. 66 grand final. I, I don't even barrack with the Saints, and I, and I watched that and thought, I'm sort of getting what it is to be a St Kilda supporter, and they are different. I mean, all my mates who are St Kilda supporters down Frankston, they are they're partially loony. Yeah, well, Molly, I just got a text off Tex Perkins as well. Tex Perkins Tex. wants to be mentioned as well. Yeah. <laughs> they are half insane yeah. well, and they revel yeah. in that insanity of being a St Kilda supporter they're loyal they are loyal they're rusted on and they they want success and just like when we're talking to, to people that might want to come and help our club if you can help bring success to St Kilda you'll lead a pretty good life thereafter because you'll be lauded and you'll feel it and you'll love it and that's what we want to do at the place are they being tested now that loyalty oh, I think so and um, you know when your team isn't performing the way you want it to I'm sure that's disheartening but um you know, Saints are different. I've met a lot of Saints fans now that I, you know, didn't know were, uh, and they sort of talk to you about, you know, welcome to St Kilda. This is a bit of us. You got to, you got to hang in there and you got to work a bit harder. And, you know, there's something in the fact that we can work harder and get there. So your conversation with Gudinski's going really good. I, I think there's another. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, B Side for today, Simon. Really Thanks. appreciate Thanks. it. Thanks for having us. Simon Lefleur, St Kilda General Manager of Football Performance in the commentary box here today at Eddie Head Stadium ahead of their big game against the Giants. Uh, yeah, fascinating chat there I think really terrific insight into certainly you know I alluded to it earlier today what would the players response be what would the discussion be and it sounds like it's been pretty forthright and they're going to act on it yeah I, I, I wonder how many weeks you can have those honest conversations because when St Kilda lost the, the, uh, the first horrible loss that they had was against North, Melbourne, North here. Melbourne here and then but it feels uh, like when uh, it transfers uh, into team structure that's yes. different yeah, no, it is. And you've all, we've all been involved in those meetings where the coaches ask players for feedback. Oh, fascinated with the salary cap, just in terms of whether that model is right. Because look through St Kilda's list. Who are they paying? Who's getting the money at St Kilda if they're getting 100% when you look at Richmond as opposed to or, or Geelong? But and, what he was saying is you, you can pay 105 with the I bank know, thing. So I understand, not but, really 100 well, it's, it's a little bit confusing, but in roundabout terms, St <laughs> Kilda are paying the same money as what Richmond are paying. So who, who of their players are getting the money is what I want to say. And, yep. and how's the management of their salary cap been? Because but all the, clubs in that position face that, don't Brisbane they? Brisbane are the same. Yeah. Like, who's getting the money at Brisbane? Hodgie. Exactly right. So it's just it's one of the things in the AFL that perhaps we just need to tweak. I don't there's, think it's quite fair. Yeah, there's hundreds of thousands of... Workers driving along the road at the moment, Hutto, saying, I must go to the boss and say, you're paying me 100% of my wage <laughs> this year, so next year I expect that. Rossi, are you listening? Yeah, Ross is our boss up the back, the St Kilda's well. I'd like 105% of my wage next year. How does that work? I'm, sure. I'm also reconsidering some of my junior coaches who asked me to give 110%, and I sort of questioned it at the time. Now I feel like maybe, like maybe I was the one who had it wrong. 
<laughs> no late changes for the Saints and Giants. Are there any chance today, the Saints, to win? Uh, We're not that sure about the Giants either, are we, at the moment, 100%. Except that they're really talented and really good. (laughs) (laughs) So how sure do you want to be? The the thing is, is St Kilda win today, and the, 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 the possibility they have is it will be a pure effort based win. Of course, you'll need Jack. New, um, Jack Newton, <laughs> Jack Stephen to play well. You'll need Paddy McCartan to clunk a few up forward. You'll need a lot of things to go right, but it will be an effort-based win that will scrag, maul, and cut down the Giants' good players. That Other a, than that, they're a class above them. That, that was a pretty telling insight by Simon Lethlin there that about the the the, the talk the, amongst the playing group and the mm. coaches about giving themselves a better chance. So often you get a you get a bit of a spike after that, and and we do see some funny things in the first six to eight rounds as we've seen already this year. So they're not without a chance in Kilda, but gee, that'd be a, be a huge win for them. How are the Suns for the eight going for you, Bob, at the moment? We've just we've just circled up for our first crisis meeting of the year. Just <laughs> <laughs> got the wobbles. All right, we'll take a break. No late changes for the Saints and Giants. Uh, back with plenty more discussion in the crunch here on Crunch Time. With thanks to Honda, Honda's 2017 runout sale is now on, and you can visit honda.com.au/offers. 11:16 SEN, the award-winning Crunch Time for Honda's 2017 runout. Half past 12, welcome back to Crunch Time for Honda. Honda's 2017 run-out is now on. Visit honda.com.au slash offers. On this Saturday afternoon, uh, game coming up, of course, St Kilda versus GWS. Very interesting chat with Simon Lethleen there about uh, the difference uh, differences the Saints will take into the game. But let's turn our attention to other matches as we get into the crunch. Uh, Doom, I want to start with you. Was Spud too quick to ride off Luke Hodge? He's entitled to his opinion, and I applaud him for being so strong about it because it makes an issue, and we chat about it, and it has people thinking. But I believe he was completely wrong. And that's my opinion. Yeah. yeah. How's that? No, that's good. That's good. Um, Luke Hodge was brought to Brisbane to be a senior mentor. If you could get good footy out of him along the way, wonderful. He is there to organise, to instruct, to lead the way, to fly the flag. Uh, I've made mention a couple of times when people have asked me during the week, the biggest body of the opposition is the opposition ruckman, Nankervis, and they're getting pulverised, Brisbane, and Nankervis thinks he's going to run in and knock one of the meek little lines over and Hodgie sits him on the arse. So those kids see, even in defeat, we don't accept some things. And it's a way to go about it. The week before, yeah. they would not have got them. They definitely would not have got themselves into a situation to get a shot at goal against Port Adelaide to win the game. That shot fell short. If Hodge hadn't If Hodge hadn't that have organised and engineered the back line to get the ball forward. Okay, can also, I, yeah, I was, I was sorry, Tato. I was, I was there the week before, Doom, that... In, in Adelaide, and especially early in the game, to, interstate first quarters are so crucial. And 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 Hodgie had them calm and composed behind the ball. That's his value. He, he might have he might have an off game every you know once a month or so. But like I, I'm with you. I think his his true worth is is sort of widespread. I wanted to ask you just to explore that a fraction more. The difference between a player being a playing assistant coach as he is versus you know a, someone just out of the game, most respected like a Lenny Hayes, you know, goes to the club as an assistant coach. It's, it, what's the difference, Kane? Oh, 
I think that it works, and I've said that Carlton needs a Luke Hodge type because you saw what the Giants did when they started. They went and got my brother and Dean Brogan and Luke Power and yeah. uh, James McDonald from Melbourne. Now, it, it works because you can't throw all these young players out to the Wolves. You need the experienced bigger bodies around them. So for Carlton, they're, they're far too young for me. They, they should have got a Luke Hodge type. Now, I know they're not around, but just, just for everything that you said in terms of the organisation and, and just a bigger body. So... To have that out there, Hutto, is the difference between having him sitting in the coach's box like Sam Mitchell is right now, as opposed to running out, looking sideways at him as you run down through the race and go, I'm playing with an AFL legend, a future legend in the AFL. It makes you stand a bit taller. Yeah, he is a legend. But we we know there's lots of of myths in football, but the the notion of Luke Hodge being a great leader, we we know what he can do as as a pure footballer, but... To play near him, as I did for a long time, and Kane, you did as well, he is every bit the, the, the best leader of our generation because he can move the chess pieces around of his own team, but then he's also the first to react to the ball up the field. But he, he, he gave his teammates enormous confidence just by putting them at ease. The other aspect of it too is that every bottom four team over a 22-game season is going to cop a smacking or two along the way. And it's like getting a 16-year-old kid in the local cricket and, and putting him in to face the opposition's fastest bowler on the, on the, in the entire comp. Do you want him carrying scars? Or do you want to send the old veteran in there who's going to take a few hits on the body and say, you know what, I dug in for 15 runs, yeah. but we lasted 15 overs. And he to- takes the hits. And if Luke Hodge comes out of last week's game, you haven't heard anything from Hodgie. He, he'll be there going, yeah, bad loss. All right, well, who are we playing next week? And it'll hurt him emotionally, but it won't affect the way he goes about it. Imagine if one of those, if there had been six young boys in that back line, seen the ball go over their head for 120-something points. I mean, it would be devastating. At least they run out next week and Luke Hodge goes, boys, sweep it under the carpet. I'll show you the way this week. You know, it, it's a great fillip. For, for young players to have someone like him around. Bob, do you expect Simon Goodwin to make wholesale changes for Tuesday night after what the Demons produced last Sunday? Uh, I, I wouldn't, not off the back of what was a what was a really disappointing loss. I mean, he may do, but I, I would ex- I would think he would give them give them another go to to redeem what was a what was a really embarrassing loss last week. Um, yeah, I think they'd get another crack at it, but they'd they'd be on notice. Kane, where have you got? Melbourne now, they dropped down a run yeah, after I was, what... Before. I was big on them uh, pre-season. Uh, I mean, it's, it's hard to make predictions pre-season, but I, I still think I'm, I'm okay with them. I still think they could be okay. What's their... <laughs> oh, that was not convincing. <laughs> their, their pass mark. <laughs> I'm okay with them. What's Simon Goodwin's uh, biggest concern, do you think, right now? Is it just that, that inability to trust his team for a quarter or a three quarters it was last week? Well, it is. It's the inconsistency because you've seen how good how good they can be, which is the frustrating thing to be a Melbourne supporter, and it has been for some time. So the inconsistency of effort, and that's what the good sides do. They show up every week. Even watch North Melbourne. The effort they're giving right now when they turn up, you know what you're going to get, and you can trust them with Kane, you're, North you're, Melbourne. No, I'm su- okay. I'm yeah. okay, Bob. I'm your okay. Support, your support for the Demons there was a no. bit like the the girl in high school telling you that you were really, really nice. <laughs> she didn't like She wasn't going out Friend with you. Zone. Can we just be friends? <laughs> 
I don't mind. Sounds like you've been stung by that, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Melbourne are all right. They're going to lose some along the way. They're still sorting themselves out with the inclusion of a, um, a talented intercept backman who's still finding his feet in this lineup. I won't say he's got to learn how to play with his mates, but he's been forced by the opposition to play a different style game. So he's got to retailer the way he starts his games. He's, he's a defender. Learn to defend first before you're attacking the ball in the air. So there's the first thing I'd look at. They need Viney in yes, that lineup. Yeah. They I, miss I mean, him more than what we ever yeah. thought. Absolutely, they do. So uh, they've just got to get through this period to the point where they can get him back and his robust activity around the footy. And the other thing I'd say is the coach's box. We often say, I don't say it out loud, and 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 I think Goody would even take it on board. We rate players. I think Simon would walk away from last Sunday and say, we got beaten. I didn't have a great day in the coaches. You can have these funky players of running wingers. Yeah, you can run them to the back of the square. You can run one forward and one back, and you can do that all the time and that, and they're funky players, and and you sort of half get an idea what's going on. Except that sometimes you've got to play the game against an opponent. Make those funky plays when you want to catch somebody out. Don't make it the norm. Mm. Melbourne are good, Mm. and they're going to get a whole lot better. By round 16, we might be looking at an emerging team. So, yeah, absolutely still got confidence in them. All right, Derm, uh, Ollie Florence's match-winning goal last week was met with disapproval from the last two Swans coaches, one of them being Ruzi. Do we coach, dare and dash out of our young, gifted players? We most certainly do. Uh, and if you land at Sydney, you definitely do. Uh, yeah, I think Ruzi said the thing to do was take the mark, stop, prop, look around, kick sideways, pick backwards, backwards <laughs> soak up the clock and take the uh, one-point win. The kid played... Like the way kids play for the love of the sport, and it was beautiful to watch. And we actually coach regimentation into players. The people. Is there any way around it? I mean. Nah, not really, because it's the professionalism of the sport. And if you're works. Buddy Franklin, we allow you to do it, because yeah. you're six foot six and you, and you run like that old Bolden, you know? So you, you let him go. But there's only one Franklin in the comp. So those types of plays. We coach regimentation into them and the the purity, the beauty of the sport and what, what we have always seen, you know, the way you learn as a kid is coached out of you. And it's a shame. It's an absolute bloody shame. But that's the professionalism of the sport. Does it worry you that that's the case, Kane, or is that just the reality? No, it doesn't worry me because I want to win and, <laughs> and I want to do everything I can to win. And if the, if the best thing to do to win is to stop and kick it sideways and backwards, then I'm happy with it. There's that. the words of somebody who's tagged a bit <laughs> yeah. in his career. Bob Murphy, we all well, say, you've never tagged anyone in your life. No, that's not true, actually, Dermot. I have tagged some people. I want you to retract <laughs> your that Your wife doesn't count. You can, uh, you can have a go. You can keep your mark. You keep it on the key forwards. Don't say don't, Start sniffing around in my backyard. I, but I've got to say that the young the young lad last week, I, I think it was a heightened football intelligence where he saw he had a one-on-one with a with a six-foot ten ruckman. Oh, and I he agree. Took I reckon on, that's so. exactly what he did. But if he head. kicked the, 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 the opposing viewers, if he kicked a point, then it gives the opposition the ball back. But I think yeah, he, he could should have. I think he thought he could run off Tim English and then he would be able to run <laughs> in and kick yeah, the ball. He realised he, he was that quick. He didn't no. realise. <laughs> Am I right? Because it was Simon Madden chasing him, wasn't it? Yeah. I remember you're calling Tim English Simon Madden. <laughs> well, I'm gonna, he's a... He's a 
hell of a good player. He's going to be a good player yeah. to English. And I think, I think the young lad from Sydney d- d- didn't quite, didn't quite didn't pick gauge his mark. How, how quick, how quick yeah. Tim English was. But no, I've got, I've, I, I think if we, if we discourage that kind of adventure in, in our players, and you, you, you lose out in other ways as well. All right, we'll take a quick break. There's plenty more questions to come in the crunch. Kane wants to return to a question about Taylor Walker. We'll ask about the Dockers. The Blues as well, obviously, uh, are going to be in our focus. And the final question also is, I know in the entirety of Fox, only one man has lost his pass so far this year. Have a guess who that might be. I don't. Hey, Bob, what was the name of the girl that first said you're a nice boy? <laughs> well, her name was Justine, and I wore her down, and she married me. Oh, <laughs> so, that's a great story. Yeah. Oh. Let's hope for everyone She'll be out looking there. looking for an out soon. <laughs> no one ever said it to Derm. It's 19 to 1. Oh, can't get that. 11.16 SEN, the award-winning crunch time for Honda's 2017 run-out. Tex Walk, last two years, voted by his peers as the best captain in the competition. Now, that's come under question after one bad week. He'll stand up tonight. He's been under the pump all week. You can tell he's a man on a mission tonight. Oh, he's a, he's a beautiful king of the footy. And that tells you that his body must be feeling really good if he can do that. Oh, it'll be sweet for Tex Walker. To all those people that knocked him for one bad game, he's stuck it up in BT. Gee, sounds like you were well on board. We've all had bad games, and he has responded beautifully tonight. He's kicked four goals himself, and that's a match saver. He's had a few bob on that, hasn't he? <laughs> Can't remember that many of Duck's really bad games, certainly not until his last couple of years when he was hampered by injury. It was over the top, wasn't it? I thought the coverage of, of Wayne Carey, and, and uh, good on him, but the coverage of Taylor Walker's game and the high praise w- was over the top as opposed to the performance. Look, he, he played a good captain's game. He kicked four goals. One of them was from the goal square as a, a result of a 50-metre penalty. The other one was from... 30 centimetres out on the goal line. He was good, but he wasn't a, as good. A, he wasn't a hard as good. Man now, what, please, I, what I think has happened is that someone, and, and Wayne still has good connections with people in Adelaide, someone has got in his ear and just said, look, Tex has been under the pump this week. Would you just mind um, giving him some, some praise this week? And I reckon, that, I reckon it's... I, well, I, I, I take the opposing view. I think in the context of the, the, the win interstate, uh, the week that he'd had, Pretty incredible performance by Tex Walker, but I think I think I think Wayne's comments had more to do with a bit of infighting in the mafia, which, which again I, I don't want to bring it up again, but I can feel a newspaper article just marinating in my mind at the moment. This I is thought be it, big. I thought Taylor Walker was really really good, and I thought the comments were a bit over the top because he was really good. I, I didn't find it an incredible game. I thought it was good. But the thing, the, the, the errors he's made in that grand final and last week are in the last five games that club's played. And those errors are monumental and they are in history now. Mm. I mean, he, he, he might have, you know, in the words, he stuck it up and that's, that's fine to say that. But those errors are errors you just never want to see in the game. Whether you rectify your performance the next week or not, they're in history now. All right, 12 to 1. Uh, move on to other teams. Kane, uh, who should Richmond be targeting as free agent wise? A bit different, Hutto. They've been linked to, to Tom Lynch, and a lot of people saying they need another forward to help out Rewild. I've got a different view. I think Rory Sloan is the man for really? Richmond because 
I think Dustin Martin is the second most dangerous forward in the game behind Buddy Franklin. If you put Rory Sloan cool, into the Richmond midfield, it allows you to play Martin 80, 70, 80% time forward. And he's a 60-goal forward. You add him and Rewalt playing forward. You've got Sloan, Prestia, Caddy and Cochin and these types going through the midfield. So that's the Richmond point of view. And for Rory Sloan, wouldn't it appeal to him to go to a big Victorian club, 90,000 members, play in front of 60,000, 70,000 each week in a side that at 29 years of age for Rory Sloan is going to be around the mark for the next three to four years in his career. So okay, I think that's sound, a good yeah, fit. Could sound extend logic. Dustin Martin too. Sound, yeah, sound logic, and they're trying to obviously do that with Conquer at the moment, playing in the midfield. To, clearly, Sloan's a much better player. Doing what would give them more of a chance of winning premierships, plural, Tom Lynch or Rory Sloan? The, the, the other thing, though, is can they afford Tom Lynch, who's going to cost you 1.5? Sloan, I think... I don't think Sloan's million dollars. I think he's eight fifty nine hundred at a stretch. So, so he'll be going if he leaves. He's leaving to come home to Victoria primarily. Correct. Yeah. But but I think also he hasn't played in a premiership. So that would clearly at, yes. at his stage at twenty nine, he'd want to go to a club, probably not St Kilda, not North Melbourne, who he's been linked to, but Richmond. You know, how about that? Uh, the both those the the one who'll help them win a premiership quicker is, I, I think, would be Lynch. And there's a go-home factor with him as well. His uh, family's down at Sorrento. He's a southern end of the peninsula boy. He's going to... He might get the biggest deals of all time thrown at him this off-season. The biggest deals ever known thrown at a league footballer. He might receive them. Um, the other thing with the Tigers, who do they need... The guys who are playing out here today, they've still got the deepest talented midfield in the comp. I mean, last year they ended up letting Kennedy go, who they had very high hopes for, and still is going to be a very, very capable player at Carlton. But there are some serious players wheeling around in that team who are number five, number six, number seven in the pecking order of that midfield, who, if they say, I'm a bit disgruntled, could command some serious dollars. Mm. I, I wouldn't mind betting that they might try and peg one of those. Okay, Bob, uh, serious discussion. The Shane Yaron tragedy. First of all, just the impact. How would it be uh, How would it be felt by his former Docker teammates? And I, I reckon the club as a whole. Oh, yeah, it's, um, it, it, like you say, Hutto, it's a, an, an absolute tragedy to, to lose a to lose a young man, only 28, Shane. Um, so tragic for the for the Yaron family. Yeah, I, I would think, just especially with the, the the nature of of you know what's what's happened, I think that would you know have, it, it have some kind of effect on on his Fremantle teammates who's only there not so long ago. So yeah, they, they, they've got a tough assignment. You know, they they play the Western Bulldogs at home at home tonight, but I'm I'm sure um, the emotions will be running high for for that tragedy. Absolutely, and leaves behind children too, which is awful. Yeah, it's shocking. Sad. As you said, uh, all we can do is, is uh, pass on our best to the family, and and obviously urge anyone who's having problems to to call Lifeline, or seek some help. Speaking of the Dockers, Ross Lyons playing his fifth debutant tonight, Taylor Duman, and. It, can't say I know a lot about. And a Number win- one, there's three other teams that have played four debutants this season so far. And a win over the Dogs will see them three and two. Is it circumstance or a change of direction from the coach? 
I like it uh, because if you look at his round one side to what it looks like right now, there were some older guys that probably shouldn't have been playing like that. It was that. strange that he went it, with them. It, it, well, again. But they were again. on the road, though, weren't they? Yeah, yeah they, they were. But yeah, was... Adelaide. But that, that, the same thing happened last year. With back that, to Pierce. And then he and... dropped five guys and yeah. he put some new ones in. So, look, I think finally um, he's getting it. And they're getting a response. Look, Dockers have impressed me with what they've done. They'll be hard to beat at home. And uh, I've tipped them to, to beat uh, to win this week. Contrary to popular opinion, Ross has always been pretty well a man-on-man style coach. Mm. What he used to do was someone like Garrick Ibbotson would stand next to a half-forward flanker on the on the back flank, ball bounce, and when it goes up in the air, Ibbotson would roll off, run a semicircle into the 25-metre out from goal spot and stand there by himself. The winger would roll up onto Garrick's, Garrick Ibbotson's old player and they'd play one short in the forward line. And that was basically... So when the bouncers were there, you're looking around and you say, we're man-on-man. So that's basically how he played the stoppage role. Thereafter, when he went in the forward line and the locks, he played man-on-man. I've got the feeling he's trying to go more man-on-man now when he realises he's not in the premiership window. He wants his players to play and learn how to beat an opponent. Because it sounds basic, doesn't it? But we get them into league footy and they lose the art of beating a direct opponent. They're in that phase and I reckon he's reaping the benefits now and he's looking to build another list. I think they'll do all right today, real all right, with Fife coming to the fore and Sanderland standing up in the middle. I think they're going to go all right. So, Bob, have the dogs turned the corner in brief and who wins that game as we quickly go through our tips for today? Yeah, I, I think it'll be a really a really good battle over over in Perth. Uh, the dogs have been in a, a season so far of two halves, awful for the rounds one and two, but the last two weeks they've really got it back. They should have beaten Sydney last week. They had all the play in the last quarter. So I'm tipping the dogs just... But, uh, yeah, the, the Sanderlands-English battle in the middle of the ground, that'll, that'll, that'll be a telling factor. Yeah, Sanderlands versus Simon Madden should be a beauty. Carlton <laughs> and the West Coast Eagles. Kane, uh, what's, a, what's the margin on that one? Uh, 30 points. Only 30? Yeah. How I mean, many Kennedy kick at uh, the... Uh, hasn't he, been a good home for Second week MCG. back is hard. Uh, usually the first week's OK. Second week back's hard. So he'll kick two or three. Uh, we've been to... Has the media piled in too quickly on Carlton, Doom, do you think? Yeah, they're on a journey. In a journey, they've got talent at the club. It's not happening for them. They're going to go through flat spots during the season. They started off well in round one, but didn't get the points and still haven't. But we're, we're, people are getting impatient with them, and I think they just need to show more patience. And, it, and who wins what could be the best game of this weekend, not counting the Anzac Day? Port Adelaide in Geelong. Oh, Port at home, but not with a lot of confidence. Port at home for me. Charlie Dixon. Could kick a few tonight. He needs to. Well, you don't know who's going to play on him. Well, he might have to play Ruck as well if things don't go that way. That's hurt him, I think. Yeah, they're missing Paddy Ryder big time. Big time. But the the thing is, they can Ruck Westoff because the thing with Westoff going into the Ruck, you're worrying about him against a big brutal Ruckman. They're not going to throw a brutal Ruckman at him. So you can play Dixon predominantly in the forward line, where he will bash up most of the Geelong uh, defenders that will come to him. You got another name for us, Bob, or not? That's it. (laughs) That's it, mate. All right, let's show this, throw the sharing around. Thanks for being with us. Uh, See you, boys. Bob, and to you too, Thank Kane you. and Durham. This has been Crunch Time for Honda. Honda's 2017 run out is now on. It's never tagged. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Backers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.